This is the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast on the WVSA Digital Network. From the Sport Pens International Studios in Charleston, West Virginia, here's your host, Marcus Cole. Welcome to the podcast. We have another great show for you. Before we welcome our guest, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share our program. Now, this helps us get the word out to others and let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents here on the WVSA Digital Network. With us is Jenny Rerick, communication and presentation skills coach and owner of Fit to Speak. Jenny, welcome back to the program. Marcus, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to talk to us. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking to our coaches uh, for our soccer associations and uh, basically uh, sort of an idea of maybe how we can better communicate with our players, the words we use, how often we speak, and things along that line. So why don't we go ahead and dive right into the subject and tell us why good communication is important for a coach when it comes to handling a team of players. Especially for youth players, the coach is the leader. And how the team communicates starts at the top with the coach. Players on a team are always taking cues from how they see the coach communicating. What type of energy do we bring to this team? What type of language do we use? What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? How do we communicate with other players? And all of that starts with how we see or the players see the coach communicating. And then also a coach's communication is essentially what lays the groundwork for that team's focus. If you, the coach, if you have a key message or a focus for the season and you're able to tie that message into all of your communication throughout the season, the chances of the players following your lead are much higher. And to boil it all down, I think a coach who communicates inconsistently usually ends up with a team who performs inconsistently because that message is always changing. So it's important. Good communication is important for a coach just in terms of setting some consistency that the players can rely on throughout the season. Yeah, I think that's very important, especially that uh, that mixed messages uh, scenario that I think that uh, we all run into at one point or another uh, during our coaching experience. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give us three important factors that coaches should keep in mind when communicating with their players? First and foremost, to build on what I just said, is to be consistent. So that means you're using the same terminology throughout the season. You try and keep your coaching tied to broader themes that you hopefully communicated at the start of the season because that repetition is what breeds trust and you give something for your players to hold on to. They know what they're going to get and I think that's especially important for youth athletes because stability is so important in that trust building process and also to create a positive experience for them in the sport. So number one is be consistent. Number two is to be direct and to keep it simple. I myself am now involved in coaching. I'm on a high school coaching staff. I run the strength and conditioning program for a high school football team. And I see this firsthand. Too many coaches, they make offhand comments that aren't clear and they're easy to misinterpret. It's almost like they're making hints at their athletes as opposed to just making direct requests. 
if you want something done, state it directly and in terms that are appropriate for that level of the athlete. And then the third one is to set an example. In my response to your first question, players mirror the coach's communication style. Do you use cuss words? If so, don't be surprised when you hear them from your players because you're essentially sending a message that those are acceptable. How do you talk about negative events? You want to always be asking yourself, how do I want my players to communicate? And then you need to set the example. That's a, that's a very, very important. They will mimic uh, the, the style that you have. Uh, mm-hmm. If you fly off the handle a lot, then you'll usually have players and even sometimes parents up in the stands fly off the handle because right. that's the experience that you're the example that you're setting out there uh, for your players. Now, I know that Absolutely. I know that there's different communication styles, but kind of give us some of the big differences when compute, uh, communicating with, say, a very young player ages seven to eight compared to that teenage player, say, on a high school team. Mm hmm. I think at, when it comes down to it, really, it's about the experience you're creating. When, when we're talking about young athletes in that seven to eight range, it's all about creating a fun experience with the, the sport because you're essentially laying the groundwork for them to just continue playing. You want to, you are probably their first exposure to that sport and you have the responsibility of creating a positive association. I think when it comes to communication, that's it. It's just about keeping things positive and at a broad level, promoting teamwork and a healthy competitiveness. Mm -hmm. And then as we look at teens, I mentioned that I'm now working on a high school coaching staff. With this football team, I'm coaching kids who are between the ages of 14 and 18. Now, I'm generally more even-tempered and focused on those positive associations with the freshmen, so those that are around 14 years old, because I, this is their first introduction to the high school sport, and I want them to come back next year and play. Whereas with the older kids who have been involved with the sport for a couple of years now, they know what to expect from the sport, and they've continued to come out after each season. So I tailor my communication to be more focused around performance and playing into their personalities. There are some kids who are quiet and they work hard and I tend to mirror their personality and offer them a lot of even tempered and private praise. And then I have kids who are unfocused, disruptive, and they have that standoffish attitude with them. I tailor my communication to make more direct requests for their attention. That means I might go up to one of those athletes and say, I asked you to do this you're not doing that how what do I need to do to get you to listen to me or to participate in the way we're running this drill so I'm asking for them to kind of co-create that experience together and then with those kids who are maybe more unfocused or disruptive I try to look for as many positive things as possible that I can celebrate so that I can create some of that positive reinforcement so to sum it all up when we're talking about really young athletes the most important thing to keep in mind is that you're essentially the first impression they have with the sport. And so your goal should be to create a positive association so they continue to play. And then as you get into those teenage years, 
when we're talking about maybe kids in the freshman level, eighth grade freshmen, it's still about those positive associations. And then they, once they continue to play the sport, then it's more so you tailoring your communication to their specific personality so that you can get the most out of them in terms of performance. Now, there's a lot of coaches that are out there, and this is a pet peeve of mine, that constantly speak during trainings and matches. I call it joysticking um, <laughs> their players. Uh, how can this type of communication be a hindrance to the player as opposed to helping the player? Mm-hmm. The direct answer is that anytime you step in with communication, you have to remember that you're now shifting that player's focus away from something else and onto yourself. So if you're the coach, what's always in the back of my mind is I'm always asking myself, if I offer verbal coaching right now, is that going to draw their focus away from the task at hand? Now, if the player is making an egregious error, then I can likely justify saying something, but that's a conscious decision. I think a lot of coaches get into just the habit of always coaching. And to that point, it's really about bringing your coaching back to a place where you're being conscious and asking yourself, what's my purpose in speaking right now? And is it serving the larger goal? And I think a lot of coaches will find when they ask themselves that question that they're simply coaching out of habit and they're not necessarily coaching for a specific purpose. I think it's really important to have that self-awareness as a coach of mm-hmm. wh- what, what your true goal is in speaking in that moment. I know I used mm-hmm. to have coaches when I played soccer and I would make a mistake and they would tell me that I made a mistake and (laughs) very loudly and very publicly. And it's like, yeah, I know I made a mistake. You don't have to remind me about it. Then that shifts Mm -hmm. my focus from trying to get back into the game and, you know, forget about the mistake right at the moment and try to get back focused. Now I bring anger into the issue because now I'm Mm -hmm. being called out about it a little bit. And, you know, and I know my coaches didn't mean ill will by it, but it's just that, like you said about, we got to be coaching, you know, and I know some parents too, that if coaches don't do that, they don't think that the coaches quote unquote, earning their money that, you know, that kind of thing. And I, you know, well, you need to be coaching out there more. So it's kind of an interesting thing, but I think that's great of what you're saying of being self-aware in what is my comment going to achieve is it going you know is it about the player or is it more about just me coaching in that moment right and and it's always just reminding yourself that anytime you open your mouth to speak you're taking someone's attention and if you're asking their attention to be on you there's always two sides to every coin that means you're taking their attention away from something else i think so is are you drawing their attention away from the game in the next play? Because if that's the case, then it absolutely is hindering your performance. I, to give an example, I had a coach that I really loved in college and she had this rule when we didn't call them mistakes. We called them just learning opportunities. Anytime someone on the team made a mistake, all they did was out loud say what they were going to do the next time that same type of play happened instead. So they could show that it was a learning opportunity and there there weren't necessarily those negative associations that come along with labeling it as a mistake. 
I think that's a great uh, thing to do and incorporate uh, into mm-hmm. your training sessions. I think that's great. Um, now, on the opposite side of the coin, some coaches fear long pauses in conversation when it comes to their players. I don't have an issue with this. I actually enjoy the long, awkward pauses um, <laughs> just because I, it, it's just it's if I have something to say, I won't say anything more other than that. Um, mm-hmm. What can coaches do to help with this feeling of awkwardness with those long pauses in conversation with their players? Mm-hmm. The first is to understand what's going on during that long pause. I, as you mentioned in the beginning, I am a presentation and public speaking coach. And part of what I teach is taking the time to pause in silence. There, are, When we're communicating, there are two types of time. There's speaker's time and listener's time. Anytime you as the speaker pause and you don't say something, it feels like an eternity to you. But on the other side, it hears very quickly to the people listening to you. The people who are listening are not thinking about the pause. They're thinking about what you're going to say next. Now, when we communicate, that pause is especially important because it actually gives people the physical space they need to take in and process what you just said. When we communicate with someone and we give them information like a fire hose and we don't ever stop to pause we're not giving people the time they need to internalize and process that information so we're essentially creating a barrier for ourselves now to overcome that awkwardness i found in coaching thousands of people now over the last few years is to simply let them know that that pause will always feel awkward to them, but they must realize that during that pause, their listeners are processing their information and then they're more likely to not only connect with that information, but remember it, which is what we really want when we communicate. And what's funny is, is a lot of people don't process as quickly as others. Some need Mm -hmm. a little bit more time and maybe they're processing a different piece of the scenario of what you were talking about compared to somebody else and they're trying to materialize it in their head and think, okay, all right, I get, I get what you're saying. And then that also fosters follow-ups to the coach Mm -hmm. and asking questions, which I, which I always thought was very good of a player to do and being able to, you know, have follow-up questions, especially if they don't understand what is being directed at them for information. Mm -hmm. And it it, it sets a tone when we speak quickly and it's one sentence after the other, after the other, after the other, where the underlying message we're essentially sending is that we're apologizing for taking up so much time by talking. Whereas when we can pause that underlying message says everything I'm saying is important and I need to give it space to breathe because I want it to sink in. Another issue that coaches face is they tell the player one thing from the sideline and the player's parent will tell them something different from the other sideline. I know that this is a a coach's uh, pet peeve. I know that it's sometimes a parent's pet peeve. It's a pet peeve of mine too, 
just because I've always, you know, believed that no matter what the coach is telling you in that situation, that, you know, you follow under his or her direction on what they're doing. Uh, what can coaches do to communicate to parents to prevent this situation? Do you have any certain tactics that they can use? Mm-hmm. Prevention starts at the start of the season. That means prior to any game. The coach should speak with the parents as a group and establish clear expectations for how interactions are going to play out amongst everybody involved. That means parents, coaches, players. If a parent is coached from the sidelines, it's likely that the coach's expectations weren't clear from the beginning. Now, that's not always the case. There are always exceptions to the rule with some parents. If it does evolve to a situation where the parent is then coaching from the sidelines, that should be a private conversation initiated by the coach with the parent after the incident has occurred and once the emotions have calmed down a bit. So it would not be a productive conversation to have immediately after the game. Maybe you contact the parent sometime later that week after a practice to talk. When you do have that conversation with the parent, it would serve the coach well to remember that the parent likely believes they're doing good by their kid, that their coaching is contributing to their kid's performance. Now, the coach might not agree with that, but you must put yourself in the parent's shoes and appreciate that that's their perspective. When we look at people's behavior, people behave in ways that make sense to them. And we can better resolve situations when we can appreciate that this makes sense to that person, even though it might not make any sense to us. So I think the coach needs to complement that belief if they want to make progress in, in having the parent quote unquote back off during the game. This could even be that conversation resulting in agreeing that you maybe speak to the parent prior to the game and you ask the parent, what conversations have you been having with your kid this week leading up to the game? Are there anything, is there anything you specifically want your kid to focus on during this game? And telling the parent, essentially, I will communicate your message for you. I don't need you to communicate it from the sideline. So then you're kind of creating this collaborative experience, at least from the parent's perspective. Am I being clear in the way I'm explaining that? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it it makes total sense, especially uh, incorporating, you know, everybody wants to, wants to feel heard. Um, Mm -hmm. So is, you know, and, and, um, I know that a lot of our parents, uh, you know, it's getting better, but they sometimes don't understand uh, the sport of soccer and don't understand mm-hmm. some of the goals that we try to achieve. Um, you know, I, I've heard parents who have said, you know, why are you passing it backwards? You know, we need to go forwards. The goal is mm-hmm. that way. Um, you know, why isn't, you know, such and such running after the ball constantly and just chasing it? And it's like we have certain ways that we want to play and certain, you know, tactics that we're trying to incorporate and stuff. And sometimes it's difficult to explain uh, in that scenario. But I, I think you bring some great tactics that uh, that coaches can use. Um, as yeah, co- and to build, on, to build on what you said just then. Yeah. You could also, if you're hearing the same type of parent coaching on the sidelines, it, I posted something the other day that anytime you get a question or you hear something and you're repeating yourself over and over, that's a great time to make that a writing assignment. It might even be worth 
sending out a weekly, almost educational, maybe email communication to parents to say, here's what we worked on this week in practice. If you see something like this in a game, here was our intention behind it. The example you gave was passing backwards. A parent is saying that, like you said, because they don't understand how that strategy works. Why not then take that as an opportunity to educate the parents and maybe an email newsletter? That's that's a great idea. Um, you know, I know it, it, it's it's a lot more work for the coach mm-hmm. to do, but I think you're setting such a great precedent with your parents, with your players, of keeping everybody involved and keeping everybody in the loop. And, and like you said, just continuously educating uh, our parents and also the players too uh, about mm-hmm. what and the, the work. Go, I'm sorry. Go, no, ahead. go, go ahead. The, and the work that you mentioned that it creates extra work, it does, but that work really only has to happen once. If you can, if you coach that team year after year and you put in the time to maybe create some short videos of you explaining the strategy behind gameplay or you draft those newsletters, you can simply recycle those year after year. So really I think the work is just right up front, but then it, it should be more of plug and play from every season then on out. Well, I'd rather deal with a little bit of work on that end as opposed to the headache that comes with dealing with disgruntled parents <laughs> over and mm-hmm. over and over and over again throughout a season. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. as we as we wrap things up here, Jenny, just I have one more question for you. Um, we hear the saying, less is more. Is this true when it comes to communication from coaches? I would say in most situations, yes. And I tend to favor, instead of saying less is more, I tend to favor saying say less and let them ask for more. That means you want to give what's necessary. You want to give the critical information and then open it up to whoever you're speaking with, discover what else they'd like to learn or know more about. So when you communicate, just think, what do they absolutely need to know? If they only hear this, what's the message I need to send? And then let them ask for more if they want more. Wow, I love that. I, I love that. Say less, mm-hmm. let them ask for more. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. I mean, that's something that uh, coach can put right in their toolbox right now and, uh, yeah. and use this season. That's great. That's awesome. Perfect. Hey, Jenny, where can uh, people find you online uh, and find out more about you and, and some of the things that you offer? Because she's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, where can they find mm, you? Thank you. Yes, the best place is to visit my website. All of the information about what I do and how to contact me is there. The website is www.fit, that's F-I-P hyphen two, that's T-O hyphen speak.com. Awesome. We'll make sure to include that in, uh, in everything when we post this on uh, our website and our podcast and social media platforms. And uh, we'll certainly be tagging uh, uh, Jenny and all the things that we do, and you can follow her there. And she's always posting stuff on Twitter and, uh, and talking about, uh, you know, better communicating with, uh, mm-hmm. with folks, and, uh, and she does a real good job. That's why we have her here on the program. So, Jenny, thank, thank you, you so much for coming on the program today. We really appreciate your time. It was wonderful being here. Thanks for having me, Marcus.
And thank you for listening to the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Remember, make sure you like, subscribe, and share our program here on the WVSA Digital Network. Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. You can catch a brand new episode every Thursday morning here on the WVSA Digital Network. Or find us on our social media platforms at WV Soccer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.